Hello there, Ben Again listeners, all six of you. Well, I'm not sure if there are six of you. There could be less, there could be more. Could be a billion. And I wouldn't blame you if there was a billion of you. I'm pretty amazing. But I just don't keep track of the numbers. The way I see it, a diamond hidden in a bunch of dirt or clay or coal. That diamond isn't going to be reaching out and yelling out to people, Hey, come find me. Come take me. That's the way I see this podcast. Hidden amidst millions of unworthy, crappy podcasts. There are occasionally diamonds in the rough. And that's this podcast. If you do happen to stumble across this, it's a diamond and you found it and you should be super happy. So for that, you're welcome. Anyway, it's been a couple of weeks. I originally intended to do one every week, but you know, time flies when you're out of work for recovering for a back surgery. Every day is a fucking Saturday, and first week I was going through a really rough patch of insomnia. I have sleep apnea, so of course that comes with its own sleeping issues, but just the straight insomnia. Get two hours of crappy, choppy sleep, and then you wake up and you're like, well, I I got enough sleep so that I can't actually go back to bed, but it's not enough sleep to feel rested. It's not enough sleep to feel energized, and so you're pretty much in a state where you're too awake to go to sleep, and you're too asleep to be awake. I affectionately refer to that as zombie mode, because it's pretty much the way I've lived uh, probably 30% of my life, especially since I'm on night shift most of the time. So that was the reason why I didn't do one the first week, and then the second week I was actually pretty sick, and it's hard enough to not sound like a douche into a microphone or on a video when you're just you, but when you're the sick version of you, you kind of have that nasally sound and you can't really make up for it. So here we are two weeks later. I hope that I haven't misled you to believe that I died or something. You can't kill me. Ha. Well, this is old news for me, but for you, this is not old news. We got a hamster a while back. We named her Molly. She was super cute little baby hamster and then two three months later we're looking at Molly and we're thinking wow she's so cute we're feeding her give her a little piece of a carrot and then we see these two large egg-shaped pink things and we're like no way did Molly lay two eggs right next to each other you know I'm no detective but I would swear those are testicles Jesus Christ we have a male hamster. I'm so sorry, Mo- Molly. Oh, gosh, we gotta change your name. We, we can't have a dude named Molly. I know it's 2017 and it would be super progressive of us to have a male with a female name because gender is a social construct. So we renamed the hamster Miguel because Miguel has huge balls. Fun fact, hamsters can carry one-third or two-thirds of their body weight in their cheeks. It's fucking ridiculous. I gave Molly Miguel a baby carrot and motherfucker deep-throated it. Just picked it up by the end, put it at the tip of his mouth like he was about to balance it on his nose, opened up, and just slid the entire thing in his cheek. And then it looked like he had a giant tumor on the side of his face. That was the baby carrot. Now I'm 220 pounds. So it's, it's okay, it's normal to fit a baby carrot in my cheeks, but little Miguel here, huge balls, but small head, so pretty impressive. So that's news, that's news. In other news, today is Thursday, December 14th, 2017, and uh, what's going on, how are ya? Little Bill Burr impression there for ya. On this day, in 1911, a man by the name of Roald, or is it Rold? I don't know how to pronounce it. R-O-A-L-D. Such an old fucking ancient name. Nobody names their kid Roald these days. It's kind of like old lady names like Opal. Ain't no people gonna be naming they kid Opal. I know every parent, uh, most parents, are in some sort of unspoken contest to name their child the most unique name. We've got the dumbest fucking names these days. Nobody's just named Bob or Tom or Ben or 
Dale. Nobody has normal names anymore. <laughs> I, the ones that I want to give as an example are the names of children that belong to people I know or went to school with. So I can't really make fun of them, but just just Google like strange names and you'll get what I'm saying. Nobody can just be normal and name their kid like fucking Steve. You got to name him like Talon or some shit. I hate it. It's so dumb. Anyway, on this day in 1911, Roald Amundsen was the first dude to reach the South Pole. The first expedition to reach the South Pole. Interesting shit. Now, you don't know what that's like. I don't know what that's like. But let's, let's break it down. Let's dissect it. What must it have been like to be the first expedition on some shitty, rickety, poopy ship reaching a land that has not yet been reached? At least not in modern civilization. I'm sure, you know, back when the dinosaurs were roaming, there was cavemen walking around with their big clubs and their big wooden clubs, it's a dick reference, and they might have been around there, but we were not, you know, the modern human. So what's that like? Okay, uh, I'm really bored with my life. I, I got word that there is a continent or some sort of foreign land across this big blue endless vast ocean that is scary, particularly at night, and uh, I'm gonna go on this hunch that there might be some livable tolerable land over there and we're, we're gonna just take a ship and point us in the right direction and we're off so uh, wooden ship check now I need a crew okay uh, how do I find somebody who's willing to do this this is not just like a we'll be back tomorrow sort of thing this is a holy shit we are maybe never coming back we might die we might run into someone or something that is unforeseen and we're, good, we're not going to make it back, so got to find single people. Because no married guy is going to be able to talk his wife into this. Hey, honey, uh, I'm going to go with Ben. We're going to cross the Atlantic Ocean and maybe run into some land, and we, I might never see you again. That's not going to work. You got kids, you got to stay. You got a wife, you got to stay. Unless she's a huge cunt, then you can leave. I mean, what better excuse? So you, you try to find a crew, and then... Out of all the single people, you mean slim pickings, how many people are going to want to go with? You get some people on the ship with you. Hopefully some women. I mean, that's a long voyage. You're going to want to have sex, right? And you're going to want to do it preferably in the first couple of days because women tend to get a little not so fresh down there after a few days of not showering. So I can't imagine the holy hell that a vagina must smell like after six months of not showering stuck on a boat gosh where do they poop do they just like lean their butts over and drop turds in the ocean on those long voyages the salty meat has to get old because that's all they can keep fresh for that long god there are so many holes in these in these stories i mean I, I believe that they did it because how else would you traverse the world back then i mean they obviously did it they made maps maps older than we even thought possible for our current belief in when people traveled and whatnot. So really though, the food thing, the bathroom thing, the loneliness thing, diseases, they caught shit and there wasn't a doctor that went, here, take 50 milligrams of this every day. You got sick back then, you were fucked, capital F. You wake up one day and you're sweating, but it's not cold out and your skin is green and you're like, well, this isn't going to end well. Life expectancy, fucking 33 years old. A 25-year-old guy was considered old as shit back when the life expectancy was awful because, you know, that whole medicine thing and health thing. <laughs> oh, man. And then, like, what, what are you... What are you going to do when you get there? Just probably didn't think that far ahead, to be honest. I mean, it is a giant thing to undertake such a, a voyage like that, and I don't think they really thought about that. Maybe they did, but how can you really plan that far ahead when you don't know what you're going to run into? That giant hunk of land that you're assuming is where you are jetting off to, that could just be a mountain. It could have been a mirage. It could have been a rumor. They were taking a giant risk. Their balls were as big as my hamster Molly's balls, who is now Miguel. 
I couldn't do it. I mean, there's a lot in that story that I couldn't or wouldn't do. But when you get there, like, all right, land ho! And then you go for a few more hours and you eventually crash land on an island. And you're like, well, let's get started. I mean, you probably have a few weapons and what is left of your crew after that journey. If you didn't, you know, kill each other out of being annoyed or being hungry and it's time to be a cannibal. What is left of your crew, now it's just you. You might as well be the only people in the world. Because that's just you. And who knows how long until another dumbass group of people decides they're bored enough to go across the sea and run into you guys. So you're essentially alone. You don't have houses, you don't have cabins, you don't have anything. First people there makes sense. I mean, you get there and there's a, a civilization, that's different, but they were on their own. So now there's 11 guys left and three girls. Well, either those three girls have to dish it out to these 11 guys, or eight guys are going without vagina. And guys don't like to do that. So there's probably a fight about that too. Or, at that point, the women are so stinky that no guys want any vagina. And they're all, they all just turn gay. They're like, well, our butts stink, but can't stink any worse than Maggie's magpie over there. Ugh. Yeah, times, uh, we're so, we're so spoiled. Times now, I mean, we could hop on a cruise ship and we have all of the luxuries that we could have anywhere, depending on, you know, the quality of the cruise ship. And there's just no way for us to experience what it must have been like back then, unless we purposely do it. There is a guy on YouTube called, uh, I don't know what the fuck his name is, but he has videos where he reenacts or recreates uh, primitive building, primitive living. He starts with nothing. It's really cool. He's done it twice now. He just started a... It's almost like a new file on a game. This guy starts a, a new area, and he has nothing. He walks out there with just a cloth pants. That's it. He'll grab a rock, and then he'll grab another rock, and then he'll chip away at one rock with this rock, and he'll get it to where it's kind of sharp. And that's step one, always. And then he'll chop down some trees with this half-sharpened, crappy rock, and it takes a long time. Imagine. I mean, chopping down a tree with a regular axe takes time. But he does it with a rock, and he records the entire thing. And then he'll get a fire going by rubbing two sticks together because he's a bad motherfucker. And he's more manly in 30 minutes of a video than I've been my whole life. We'll move on past that. Fuck that. My man pride won't allow me to admit this. But I, I actually can't start a fire with two sticks. <laughs> Just kidding. I know nobody can fucking do that. Nobody meaning only really manly dudes. Your average Joe isn't going to be able to do that. Give him two sticks. Hey, start a fire for us. Will you, Bernie? Sure. Shh, there you go. No, nobody can do that. Anyway, gets a fire going. Then he'll mix water with dirt and get mud. And then he'll start building, like, just real basic fire pit. Then he starts building mud bricks and heats them up by the fire. And then he starts building, like, a primitive house. And it's just really cool. Check it out. Primitive technology on YouTube. Pretty cool. I mean, that's as close as we can possibly get to experiencing what it must have been like back without technology. And I know 1911 wasn't quite that prehistoric, but it might as well have been, you know, discovering a continent or a landmass for the first time. You're on your own, whatever you can bring with you. So, on this day, Roald Amundsen in 1911, dude with either giant balls or he was suicidal and thought, Life sucks, and it can't suck any worse where I'm going, so it's either going to be awesome or it'll continue to suck. I don't know. Either way, props to Roald. Props to him. Just a little bit ago, I just had a moment of time where I just cringed. Taylor, my girlfriend, was listening to slash watching a video on Facebook, and some big woman was talking about women's empowerment and it should be more common for women this day and age to feel comfortable and quote-unquote sexy in your own skin and for men to judge us in any way 
by how we achieve that state of mind or that state of confidence just makes them pigs. And, uh, of course, how was this woman suggesting that women empower themselves sexually and emotionally? Pole dancing. Yeah, can't make this up. She's doing pole dancing classes for plus-size women. That's a very progressive and uh, politically correct way of saying fat chicks. It's faster to say it. It's less syllables, and it's just more true. Fat chicks. I am a beautiful plus-size woman. You are a fat hoe. Just kidding. But really, though. <laughs> I just, I was sitting here just kind of writing down a few things, a few bullet points, so to speak, and then I hear that. Women need to feel empowered and sexy, and I believe that pole dancing will help them loosen up and discover themselves. And it's great to feel sexy, not only for other people, but most importantly, for yourself. And I'm thinking, here's a better idea. Diet. Exercise. Uh, take care of yourself. Throw on a little bit of makeup. Curl your hair. Doll yourself up. Look pretty. Or just, you know, keep eating pizza and egg rolls and pole dancing. Sweating all over the place. That sure will definitely lure a bunch of guys in. Logic has never been the strong point of some people, and we cannot hold that against them. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm being offensive. And if you know me, you know that that's not true, that I'm not sorry. Fuck you. So, as frequenters of my already stupendous three-episode-long podcast may know, I am currently out of work for this disectomy surgery I had on my spine uh, August 15th, so it's been four months now. And they told me you've got a 98% chance of getting better. A 2% chance, statistically speaking, out of every 100 patients they have, about 2% are actually worse afterwards. And I'm not a gambling man, but I will take that 98% chance of success any day, especially for constant chronic back pain. Turns out, I'm one of the lucky 2%. Back pain is worse. Uh, there's no way There's no way around it. I won't beat around the bush. My back pain is worse. I'm less flexible. And I... The pain got worse. What do you, what do you want me to say? So I'm still on short-term disability. Meaning, through work, through the insurance that I have through work, I pay them out of pocket now because I'm no longer technically employed, but the insurance is still through work. I give them $250 a month to stay on the insurance program, and in return, I receive short-term disability checks, which are less than half of what I was bringing home when I was working, and I was making pretty good money driving truck. I only have my Class B uh, license. But I was making pretty good money, especially for around this area. And so less than half of what I was making there is still more than what I would make if I was working, you know, a uh, like I used to work at Walmart for like six months. I'm making more from my short-term disability checks, which are less than half of my old checks, than I was at Walmart making, you know, the full checks. So those poor Walmart people, they, they need to get paid better. That's really sad. Anyway, I uh, need to extend my short-term disability every month. Every month that I am out of work, I need to have a doctor's signature on the form that the insurance company provides for me. I will not bore you with the details. But the last time I went to the hospital, I had my doctor sign the paperwork and the hospital faxed the signed paperwork to my insurance company. Now I did not have a doctor visit, but my doctor knows based on the multiple MRIs, based on my twice weekly physical therapy appointments, based on seeing me several times, he knows that I'm not able to return to work. He knows that, I know that, work knows that, everybody knows that, but the insurance company, they don't seem to know that. So the doctor signs it, they fax it off, then I get something in the mail three weeks later, mind you, and it's from my insurance company. I have not received a check at all in this time, and the letter says, Dear Benjamin, 
Although your Ben Again podcast is fucking awesome and we are huge fans. It doesn't say that. No, it says, Dear Ben Bransner, because you did not have a doctor visit and the doctor sign your paper, we are discontinuing your benefits. Therefore, you get nothing. Now, I'm thinking, well, I did have the doctor sign it, right? That, that counts. But it specifically says in the letter that although I had the doctor sign the paperwork, I didn't have a doctor examination, a, a physical visit. So it doesn't matter that he signed it. And it led me to think, well, either you don't trust my doctor, or you think my doctor is lying. I, I don't know. Or you're just a Jew, a dirty, stinky, smelly Jew with this money because you don't want to dole it out. And I'm leaning more towards they're super Jewish because whether or not I saw the doctor physically is irrelevant. He signed for me. He vouched for me as a medical professional. That's what he needs to do, and that is all he needs to do. Now, I'm sure in some fine print somewhere, they, they could technically take it further than that, but I believe a doctor's signature, I mean, he knows what he's saying. He's not just going to sign the paper if he thinks I'm good. When I say they're being Jewish, uh, I suppose that's a stereotype, but it's a good stereotype. And wow, what a segue. That leads us right into topic one of today. Stereotypes. I mean, why do people get mad about stereotypes? What's up with these stereotypes? sound like one of those douchey comedians who gets up there. What's up with fast food? No, we're not going to be that guy. But really though, why do people get mad about stereotypes? Do you know what stereotypes are? More often than not, when something is or someone is a certain way, it is safe to assume that statistically speaking, when you continue to run into this something or someone type of people or whatever, that it will continue to be that way. If eight out of every 10 black guys that you run into happen to have a giant dick, is it not okay to stereotype them and say, well, brothers are packing, brothers seem to be packing? Yes. And that's a good stereotype. Most stereotypes are good. I can only think of a few bad ones. Most are good. Jewish, what? Tight, good with money, able to save money. They're being Jewish. They're saving money. Although they're being cunts about it, I can't hate them for wanting to save money. Now, I did contact HR, and we did get this solved. They, uh, they took care of it. They're going to be giving me the back pay, and they're going to be paying me henceforth, because they should have been. They tried to get out of it, but they're not going to. But yeah, Jewish. Why is it that people get mad when you say, oh, don't be a Jew, don't be Jewish? Well, Jewish people are stereotypically known to be smart and either cheap or good with money. Call it whatever you want, but let's call a spade a spade. Let's just say they are, they're stereotyped to be good with money or to be cheap or be able to hold on to money. That's a good stereotype. They're not saying don't be Jewish as in don't be a douche. No, they're saying don't be Jewish, as in, come on, be a little less tight with your money. And I've been lectured by people before, albeit on social media, where it doesn't matter, because what are they going to do, punch me through the screen? No. But I've been told that stereotypes are a form of verbal violence. I've been told that saying that all black guys or most black guys love fried chicken or watermelon or collard greens or grape soda or grits or cornbread. Saying those things is bad? Well, no. I mean, it just so happens that you could ask a hundred black people if they like those particular food items a lot and they'll probably say, man, I love chicken. I love cornbread. Yeah. So why is that bad? Why is it bad to say that black people are good at running fast and jumping high and being super athletic? They pretty much were in the gym for 200 years as a race, you know? I don't agree with slavery, but look what it did. It turned them into freaking superhumans. It's not just a coincidence that in sports, professional sports, anything that requires athleticism is predominantly black. That's not an accident. When scouts show up to colleges, yeah, you'll see the occasional white dude who can kick a football or throw a football. But as far as speed, raw power, just physical specimens, they're looking for the black dudes. And it shows. In the NBA, in the NFL, 
black dudes are just dominant in running in track and field black dudes they're superior so why is it you know and the women they they know why they think black dudes are superior giant dicks so why is it bad to say that why is it bad to say that asians are good at math why is it a negative thing why is there a negative connotation with saying that you know Asians look sleepy. I'm just kidding. That's not the example I'm going to use. They do have slanty eyes. You can't deny that. Fuck you. No, there, there's just no reason why stereotyping is bad. Now, I, stereotyping can be bad when you're using the bad ones. Like, uh, statistically speaking, 13% of the population of our country is African American, yet that 13% commits something like 52% of crimes. So... That's a bad one to think, well, you're black, you probably commit crimes. That's bad. That's not a good one. But I don't I don't really follow bad ones. I only follow the good ones. White people can't jump, white people can't dance, but that's funny. You know, it's not really that negative. It's just kind of known. So I stay away from the bad uh, the bad stereotypes and I, I focus on the good ones because they're hilarious. I'm looking over at my little chihuahua, cutest dog ever. Chihuahuas and other ankle biter small dogs, they're stereotypically, they have small dog syndrome where they think they're tough and they're not. And then there are big dogs who could eat these little dogs, but they're scared of them for some reason. It's like super backwards in the animal kingdom. One time, my dad's Pomeranian chased a golden lab or golden retriever. It was a big fucking dog. Chased it from my grandma's yard across the road like two three blocks away was on his heels the entire time nipping at him and he was scared to death and he was running away and he was like oh shit he could probably take a dump and if it landed on her head it would have killed her but he was scared of her big dogs are stereotypically you know they kind of are afraid of their own shadow and little dogs they should be but they're not stereotypes nothing wrong with them so I mean you can't be mad about using stereotypes. How could you? I'm trying to lose weight. And uh, no segue, just gonna get right into this. I'm trying to lose weight. And losing weight is tough, especially the older you get, losing weight is tough. Losing weight is tough when you are able to do things like exercise and like go out and about and burn calories. It's hard, even then. But try being out because you are physically limited I have a, I, I'm, you know, limited in my mobility, in my flexibility, in my strength, and I'm in pain quite often. Still manage to be cheery for you fucks, though. <laughs> I love you guys. So I'm trying to lose weight. I was about 220. The heaviest I've ever been was like 227, closing in on 230. For my 5'10 stocky frame, that's not good. At a certain point, a 5'10 frame, even if you are decently muscled, even if you've spent a lot of time in the weight room, in your past like I have, when you get up in that 220, 230 range, you're gonna start looking, oh, for lack of a better term, fat instead of stocky or, you know, husky. So I wanted to lose weight. I was at 220 before my back surgery and I thought, I know this sounds tough, but I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to do it in a time, during a time when I am unable to run, when I am unable to lift weights, play basketball, things like that. So since I couldn't exercise, I told myself, I'll just diet. I'll have to diet extra hard though, because normally it takes diet and exercise to lose a few pounds, but I'm trying to lose, oh, 20 pounds. I think 200 would be a good weight. 200 on the nose, that's 20 pounds. I only have 23 pounds to go. I've actually gained weight, <laughs> go figure. But it's tough, it's tough because it's fucking cold out. I live in Minnesota. So you can go for a walk, sure, but you're gonna wanna dress up real warm. Don't slip on that ice, don't go too far and freeze your balls off. It's just not nice being outside for half the year. So if that alone wasn't enough of an issue, I mean, I can walk, I can carry lightweight things, I just can't sit for a long time or I can't stand still for a long time. So going outside, I'm just really not motivated to. I can't exercise, I can't do fun things. I would have to walk a long time in the snow to make the sort of gains that I want to make. And then on top of that, you know, there's the, the back issue stuff. So I was relying on my dieting, and I still am. I mean, I, I try to watch what I eat, but 
I'm really not that disciplined, especially since I develop more of a I don't give a fuck attitude as time goes on. But let me give you an example of, of what I'm faced with. Obviously, weight gain and weight loss is a simple, simple equation. Calories in versus calories out. And I know a lot of people try to be really fancy about it. If you eat this at this time, and if you drink this during this time, intermittent fasting, ketogenic diet, you know, paleo diet, there's a lot of fads. But when it comes right down to it, it's calories in versus calories out. Something like 3,300 calories or something along those lines. That's how many calories you need to either ingest to gain a pound or to burn to lose a pound of weight. And if you eat 2,000 calories and you burn off 1,000, well, there's a net gain of 1,000 calories. You're not going to lose weight that way. You need to lose more calories than you gain. It's that simple. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Dietitians can be fancy. You know, physical trainers can be fancy. Oh, lift this weight. Here's your exercise regimen. No, it's calories in versus calories out. And since I burn very few calories, pretty much everything I eat is there to stay. It's a miracle I've only gained fucking five pounds, you know? So yesterday I was thinking, I'm hungry. We recently had fried chicken because we are black. I know I don't sound that black, but I is. So anyway, we had fried chicken and it was delicious. And five, six hours had gone by, so it was reasonable that it was time to eat again. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to have a bowl of cereal and a fried chicken sandwich because that's just too many calories. So I had to choose one. And I thought, okay, I will have a chicken sandwich. So I went from, am I going to have a bowl of Frosted Flakes or a chicken sandwich, to I ate the chicken sandwich with cheese and Miracle Whip, lots of it. It was delicious. And then I thought, I want something sweet as an aftertaste. I mean, when I eat, I want to end on a sweet note. So I ate this salty, cheesy, Miracle Whippy. Is that even a word, Miracle Whippy? Well, it is now. I had a Miracle Whippy sandwich, and it was leaving an aftertaste like, okay, I need some dessert. So then I had a bowl of cereal. And then I filled it up again and had another bowl of cereal. So I went from, am I going to have a bowl of cereal or a chicken sandwich to, I had a giant chicken sandwich and two full ass bowls of cereal with 2% milk, I might add. Can you see where the problem is here? It's me. I have no discipline. I'm going to be fat. So I'm working on this back thing still. Had a recent MRI, as I previously mentioned, and what they've discovered is I have a torn, blah, 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 I don't know the fancy terminology right now, used to be pretty good at that shit when I went to a couple semesters of nursing school to be an RN. Uh, I have a torn something, and it's just below where I had the surgery, where they did the incision. Now that doesn't mean that the surgery itself caused it. It could have happened, you know, right before or during or after. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. The point is I've got another issue that I'm dealing with, and along with the, the surgery itself, where there's some scar tissue that goes with that. I'm just, my back's not well. I'm not too physically healthy. And there's nothing I can do about it, so I, I don't get mad, you know, that's just how it is. I uh, do feel like I am aging at twice the rate that I normally would be if I was healthy. I feel like I am getting older in 24 hours than just 24 hours would make me older, if that makes sense. There's a word for that. It's called an old soul. If you've heard that phrase or that expression or that term, maybe maybe you know what that is, maybe you don't. I believe in old souls. So a little background on that. If you've never heard the term old soul, uh, some people, I don't know the percentage, but some people believe in a past life. Some people believe in reincarnation, that we've done this before, and when you're born, it's just another time through. And so, under that belief, under that uh, theory or that mindset, if you have lived, you know, theoretically, multiple lives before, and you're doing it again, your soul is old. I mean, you've been here before, it's not your first rodeo. This might be uh, your 28-year-old body that you're in now, but you've done it way more than 28 years. And some people theorize that this is part of an explanation for deja vu, uh, 
I don't know if I buy that. I mean, it would make sense. It does. The dots do connect there, but it's still taking a giant leap to believe in reincarnation and you know that you're an old soul. But there was one time where my mom went to see a psychic. She went through this phase where she was just super obsessed with psychics, and it was like during that time where it was crossing over with John Edwards or whatever and Sylvia Brown, these famous psychics that were making money off of scamming people, basically. I mean, depending on who you ask, certainly that's what it appeared to. And I always thought psychics were full of shit. Give me $10, and I will tell you your future. Not those kind of psychics, because obviously those are bullshit. Look into my crystal ball, I tell you. You are going to lose a testicle. I will not tell you how, because I don't know. Those kind of psychics, obviously bullshit, but the kind of psychics that I'm referring to here, they would get a group of people together, if you've never seen a show, and they would sit them down and go, okay, I'm sensing that somebody here today has recently lost a loved one. It's a very broad, vague statement. Obviously, in a group of 20 people, the odds are high that someone has recently lost a family member. And then one person would go, oh my god, two months ago I lost my husband. And they'd go, ah, yes, that's what I thought. And uh, I'm gathering that you two were struggling with something before his death. Another broad, blanketed statement. Yeah, he was struggling with cancer. Ah, he wants you to know that he loves you and that he forgives you for all the bitching and whining that you did. Shit like that. So that's an example of what the, the psychics of that era were like. Just blanketed statements that would apply to, you know, sometimes multiple people. And I never really believed it, and I, I still don't for the most part, but there is one time that was a little strange. My mom went and saw uh, a famous one, uh, Sylvia Brown. She She's deceased now, I believe, but she went to, I don't know if she saw her personally or to her show, but my mom didn't tell this woman shit. She, she was just talking to this woman, and my mom just asked, you know, tell me something, blah, 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 doesn't matter. And what this woman said was, your son is an old soul. Now this bitch didn't know that my mom had a son. And she didn't know, based on my mom telling her, that she had two daughters. But this woman mentioned my sisters and I. She somehow knew that my mom had two daughters and a son. My mom didn't tell her this. So either that was a really lucky guess, or... There is something to the, you know, maybe some people are born with gifts. I don't know. Just because most psychics are bullshit doesn't mean that it's not within the realm of possibility that some psychics could could exist. So I always thought that was odd. That's one thing that always stuck out to me is your son's an old soul. And, you know, I've always considered myself to be an old soul. I remember being in first grade they, they being the teacher and the principal, they had us, our class, in a group, and they asked us what we wanted to be when we grew up. We've all had that. What do you want to be when you grow up? One at a time, we all had to answer. And in first grade, I mean, less than 0% of people know exactly what they want to be or who they want to be when they grow up at that age. Yes, it's a negative percentage. And I remember thinking, I don't care. This life is so temporary in a hundred years, I won't be here. In less than that, I won't be here. And everybody around me won't be here either. So I guess I really don't care what I'm going to be. I just want to be happy. I just want to go through this life and experience some things. And that's what I want. I want. I just want to be as close to, if not, you know, reaching happiness as possible. Contentment. That's what we can hope for. I remember thinking that. And now in hindsight, that's a that's an old first grader. Everyone else is like, I want to be a cowboy. I want to be a doctor, you know. And I was like, I don't know. Does it fucking matter? <laughs> this is kind of a nihilistic thought, and that's so strange for one so young. But then in, like, fourth grade, it was super advanced. I was like, wow, all these people, they're going through these phases. And you'll see that a lot in, in school. In elementary school, there are fads and phases and then there's middle school and then towards 8th, ninth grade when you become a, a teenager and you get into high school and then drinking becomes cool. I was 14 years old and we would sneak out occasionally and drink. And I just did it because that's what my group of friends did. 
sneak out at like midnight when everybody's gone to bed, meet up, get some, uh, acquire some alcohol, obtain it from somebody who was old enough or, you know, was able to get alcohol for us. And it was just the cool thing to do. And my friends and many other people always thought it was so awesome drinking. I just did it for something to do. I did it because that's what we did. But I didn't go through that phase where I was like, oh, we're getting drunk, super. If we stayed home and played video games, if we went to a movie, I was fine hanging out no matter what. I just, I was already over it. At the time when everybody else was discovering that and thinking it was super fun, I was already like, meh, so what, you know, who cares? I don't want to make it sound like I was just so cool that I was, you know, above it, above the experiences of growing up, but I, I was. I, I didn't go through that phase. I smoked a ton of weed, a ton, but I didn't tell anybody about it. I just did it. I did it because I enjoyed it. Everyone else was like, oh, I'm so high. I totally smoked marijuana. And I was like, cool, you douche. You know, old souls, we've been there before. Or at least we feel like we have. Whether or not we actually have, whether or not this isn't or is our first life, it doesn't matter. We feel like we've been there before, and that's what an old soul is. I think it's a really cool concept. Don't know if it's true. Don't care. But pretty awesome. If you if you get easily excited about things, new fads or phases, if you're just if you have a lot of zeal, if you are zealous for life, I would call you a young soul. Everything is new and interesting and cool to you and oh my gosh, can't wait for this concert. Old souls are like, bruh, I've seen a concert before. You're not going to excite me with that. We kind of have this very medium line of emotion. We don't stray too far from it. We don't get super excited. We don't get super sad. We just kind of stay neutral. We're like, yep, living the dream. Here we are. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can't. It's, it's not a bad thing. It's just I'm kind of, eh, you know kind of meh. I guess that's the best way to describe it. So, yeah, it'd be cool if psychics were real. Maybe they're not. Meh. <sighs> you know, speaking of old souls, <laughs> I uh, my favorite show of all time is Dexter. It's fucking great. It's on Netflix all the seasons. If you've never seen it, check it out. If you've been looking for a new show, it's not a new show. It's It's not an old show, but it's not brand new. It's just semi-recent within the last decade or so. And it's a fucking great show from start to finish. But he's definitely an old soul. He just, I mean, he refers to himself as a sociopath or a psychopath, and he just knows he's kind of an outcast, an outsider. But really, he's an old soul. He can't connect with some people, and he can only connect with other people who are sort of on his level, so to speak. It's like we're an elevated super being, us old souls. Anyway, he uh, he had a quote on his on the show where, well actually his father told him this, but it, it struck me as very relatable and relevant. So I wrote down the quote because he's trying to work on a relationship and she's normal and he's not. And his father tells him, you know, Dexter, we only see two things in people the things that we want to see in them and the things that they allow us to see. I mean, nobody will ever know you as well as you know yourself. And we all have skeletons in our closet. We all have a filter that prevents us from saying certain things or, you know, letting other people know certain things. Some of us have less of a filter than others, but it exists. Even if it's very tiny and minuscule, it exists. I don't have much of a filter, but there are certain things that I think that I won't say. And then you, you branch out a little bit, you have a circle. Like, okay, there are these things that I will say to this group of people that I wouldn't say to other people, and then so on and so forth. And Dexter's father says that. He says, we only see what we want to see in them, and the things that they want us to see. And the next thing he says, no matter how close two people are, an infinite distance separates them. An infinite distance separates them. So cool. I, th I, th I thought that went overlooked. That was underrated. That was a, a great quote. Because it's true. No matter, I mean, I love Taylor. 
I love my mother. I love my father. I love, you know, a lot of people. But there are things that I will never share with any of them. There are things that they will never share with me. There are things that they think that they don't want me to know, and vice versa, and this goes on infinitely. There are, it's just, no matter how close you are, no matter how connected you are with somebody, whether it's your significant other, or your family members, or your friends, we are alone in our heads, and there are just things that we will not share with other people. You can share a lot, but not 100%. You can know a lot, but not 100%. Pretty cool stuff. <sighs> Boy, we got deep there for a moment. Let's take it back a notch while I take a drink of this water. When you talk for 45 minutes straight without taking a drink of water and really without stopping, you get such cotton mouth. Not the same kind of cotton mouth that you get when you inject six marijuanas, but the kind of cotton mouth where you're like, Mwah. I probably sound like I'm stuttering or... I don't know. It's weird. Try it sometime. Record a 45-minute podcast without drinking water. <sighs> Just the other day. Now, this is my luck. I am the real-life Al Bundy. He's a fictional character, but I am the real-life Al Bundy, and just if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. Murphy's Law. That's my life in a nutshell. So it's winter, and obviously us Minnesotans, we have sort of a winter skin. If you take a person from Florida, a Floridian, and you bring him or her to Minnesota when it's, I don't know, 20 degrees. It's fucking cold at 20 degrees, but in Minnesota we know that that's not that cold at all, really. And the person from Florida will go, oh my god, I'm going to die right now. Literally, I am dying, and they'll die. But a Minnesota person is more, you know, we have sort of a thick skin for this. Not literally, but we're just used to it. So I frequently, when I let my dog out, I'll just go outside. If I'm wearing pants, great. If not, great. And in this, in this instance, I wasn't. I was not wearing pants. I was in my underwear. I had a wrinkly, crappy, old, you know, t-shirt on that I slept in. Whatever, just a, it's stretched out, it's worn. It's clean, of course. I'm not a hobo, but just that. I had no socks, I had no pants, no shorts. I just had my underwear and a tight little t-shirt on. My hair was messy, I had just woke up, and it was time to let my dog out. So it's daytime, you know. It's kind of overcast, kind of gloomy outside, but it's still bright. And so I live in town. I live right on the corner. And there's not a lot of traffic in this small town. So even if I were to just walk outside, boom, I'm out. I'm not going to necessarily see anybody. But out of, you know, out of courtesy for other people who don't want to see me in my underwear, slash not wanting to get an indecent exposure bullshit trumped up charge on me, out of, out of that thought, I, I'll peek out the door. Just quick, crack the door, peek my head out, make sure there's nobody around. All right, there's nobody around. Now on this day, it was dead quiet. Nobody around. And... So I grab Girth's uh, tie out and I tie or I hook it up to him and I go, let's go outside, buddy. And so I put on my uh, sandals. That's right, sandals. In the middle of winter, it's 20 degrees out. It's fucking cold. And underwear and a t-shirt. That's it. Messy hair, looking like I just woke up, looking pretty ratchet. And I go out there with him just to get some fresh air. It's cold. You know what happens when it's cold, right? Yeah, not good. But that doesn't matter. I had underwear on. And I let him out. And I said, okay. Nobody around, right? And Girth runs around the side of the house, and he was growling. So I follow him. I'm like, where are you going, buddy? And just then, a hearst. Funeral hearst. Or is it hearse? Hearse? Hearst. I don't know. That black car with the red flag on it, containing a coffin with a dead person in it. That thing. Yeah, that goes driving by. And I'm already caught. It's not like I can turn around and go, oh shit, don't look at me in my underwear. Nope, it's too late. The thing was a ninja. All of a sudden it was just there, like 20 feet from me on the road. And it's going by and I'm like, ha hi, <laughs> sorry. You know, kind of like gave him that nod that you give when you're acknowledging that, you know, I'm sorry you had to see this, sir. And he goes by and you know what happens, right? 
what happens when a hearse goes by? A bunch of other cars. That funeral train, they were on their way out to the cemetery, which happens to be down the road. And out of all the days, all the hours that I could have gone outside in my boxers, I just happened to do it when a plethora, a cornucopia, a multitude, a train of cars goes by. And I'm trying to get girth back into the house, and he doesn't really come when I call him. He does his own thing, so I'm like, Girth, come on, goddammit, hurry up, let's go. There's more cars coming. At this point, six, seven cars have gone by, and they're all, like, looking at me, probably disgusted. They're already going to, you know, mourn the death of a loved one, and now this douche is out here with messy hair and a stretched white shirt in his underwear with no socks, no pants, no shorts, just sandals. They probably think, wow, holy white trash. And I'm like, bruh. Come on, you caught me at a bad time. That's just my luck. Any other person, any other day, wouldn't be a soul in sight. But the moment I fucking go outside, boom. A million people. That's just my luck. Super, super gay. I hate it. I have bad luck. Let's move on to subject three here. Subject three I have titled, Cunty People. And there are many cunty people that I know. But, for the sake of time... We will cover the majority of them another time. I'm never going to run out of stuff to talk about because I'm a good podcast host and I know shit. And this is a diamond in the rough. And for all ten of you people listening, or billion of you, whichever, you're welcome. But anyway, cunty people. Right now, I could probably think of, you know, ten people my entire life that I actually remember that I don't like. For the most part, I have either a neutral relationship with people where, you know, take it or leave it. I don't have ill will towards you. I don't really like you, but you know, I I don't hate you. That's the majority of people. Then you've got a small percentage of people that I actually like, and you've got an even smaller percentage of people that stick out to me as douchey or cunty. And those people, they have a, a special place in your mind, not your heart, but your mind. Whenever you have bad memories, it's of them, or when it when you are angry, you think, man, I'd like to punch this, pers- this person or that person, but the pretty much the most cunty person that I can think of is actually one of my family members. Her name is Nikki. Haven't talked to her in two, two and a half years or so, yeah, about that. Two years. We'll just say two years. And the reason why is because Uh, She's a cunt. She's just a bitch. She has nothing good to say about me or anybody in our family. She has the same last name as I do. We are Bransners. But like I told her, sharing a last name does not make us family. To me, sharing a last name just means, by chance, we were born in the same sort of branch of family. It doesn't mean that we are anything alike. It doesn't mean that we have to like each other. It doesn't mean anything like that. I told her that. We are we are not family. I don't consider you my family. That was the last thing that I told her. Boy, I sound like the jerk in that instance, but let me explain. Uh, let me be clear. She didn't like some comment that I made. She didn't appreciate some comment that I made about chicks being skanks. It's this girl around town here named Margaret, huge whore, And I wrote something about it on Facebook. One thing led to another. Nikki, for some reason, just out of nowhere, her bipolar ass backed up Margaret and was like, well, why is she a slut? And she got angry. She got super angry. And this was during the time that I worked at Walmart for, you know, six, seven months, whatever it was. And she, I I got on break and I had just a, a giant long message from my cousin Nikki. And the message was nothing but, you're a fucking loser, you're a fucking this, your dad's a loser. You know, she she actually literally named most of the people in our small family and said that we were all, you know, fucked up in some way. You're a loser, your dad's a loser, Lori's a loser, Courtney's a this, blah, 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 my dad this. Everybody that had the last name Bransner, she pretty much shit on. And I was thinking, what the fuck is your problem? Like, this is, one, this is out of nowhere. I, I hadn't been in contact with Nikki that often, but I I didn't have, like, ill will towards her. I thought we were on okay terms, but she just, 
I don't know if she was fucking drunk or, or on pills or what, but she was super angry, and she sent it all in this message. And I was thinking, one, what do, you know, what does my dad and your dad and my aunt and your aunt and my cousin, what do all these people have to do with your anger towards me right now? She just went off. You're a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. Fuck you, I hate you. You're a loser, da, 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 da. And she goes, you work at Walmart, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, I don't think that anyone is a loser because of where they work. I think whether you work at fast food or whether you're a CEO, if you are working, you are contributing in some way and every job position needs to be filled. Even if everybody in the world has a college degree, we still need people to work at McDonald's. We still need people to be a CEO. So really, I mean, you can't really say that someone's a loser because of that, but she was just being super cunty. And <laughs> I just was like, obviously, uh, I I'm going to remove my loser self from your life because I'm clearly making you one. I don't care. I mean, hindsight, I still don't care. But at the time, I told myself, whatever. She's just a, you know, just a cousin. I've got two other cousins on this side of my family. Courtney, Danielle, and Nikki. Those are my three cousins. Nikki's a huge cunt. We're going to ignore her. So I blocked her on Facebook, and I uh, blocked her number. And then she sent me a Snapchat when she realized that I had blocked her on Facebook and I had blocked her number in my phone. I forgot about Snapchat. So I checked my Snapchat, and it's a picture of her flipping off the camera and making a really, you know, scowl, like a, she was mean mugging me, and flipping off the camera in this picture, and it says, fuck you, in capitals, with a bunch of, bunch of exclamation points. And I thought, Jesus Christ, what is your problem? Because I, I don't get angry, I don't get upset, I'm, I'm pretty mellow. So uh, really, I was just caught off guard and just like, what the hell's your deal? Super cunty person. So it made me... Uh, just thinking about this, it made me think, and it's a valid point, I'm right about this, there are things and connections that are indicative of a family, and simply sharing a last name is not one of them. For example, uh, if you're in a club that you hang out with a certain group of people a lot, and you share similar ideas, and you all like each other, and you care about each other, and you stay in contact, and you're checking in with each other, a group of fr uh, close friends or a club, you know, that's family. You're a family. You're a small-knit group that you have each other's backs. Um, Marine uh, battalions or army battalions or Navy, you know, Air Force, if you're in the same group, the same, I, I believe they, they all refer to them as battalions, um, that's a family. You're a close-knit group going through the same shit and you have each other's backs and you love each other. That's family. There are many ways to be family, and simply sharing a last name with me is not a ticket to being in my family. So, I had to cut her off. I had to burn that bridge. Haven't spoken to her in over two years now. And I don't need to. I, I wouldn't care if I never talked to her again. Even if she was like, I'm sorry, I was, you know, I just don't care. This isn't baseball, motherfucker. You get one chance. I have burned more bridges in my life than most people ever get to build. And what I mean by that is, I have been to multiple schools, I have lived in multiple places, and in multiple towns. I've met more people than the average person meets. And because of that, I've had more acquaintances and more different friends than most people get to have. I'm not bragging, that's just how it is. I mean, the more places you live, the more people you're going to meet. The more jobs you work, the more schools you go to, the more people you're going to meet. So, I've... I've had more relationships, um, meaning acquaintances, friendships, relationships. I've had more of those than most people get to have in a lifetime. And that's cool. But I've one thing has stayed constant is I, I don't give second chances. I don't give third chances. I uh, you, you fuck me over once, that's it. I have a zero bullshit tolerance policy. And so, you know, you wrong me, that's it. You're cut off. Bye. I mean, nice life. See ya. And it's been that way. It's always been that way. It'll continue to be that way. I don't understand uh, people who are, you know, the most, the best example I can give is when a couple is together and then he or she cheats. And then they give them another chance. Like, I know you fucked somebody else while I was at work, but let's, let's make this work. <laughs> no. I, I don't know. 
I could never imagine being emotionally weak enough to accept that sort of treatment from somebody. And that applies to family, friends, girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife. I couldn't do it. I just, life's too short to deal with cunty people. That's topic three, cunty people. And it sounds very cliche, but there are way too many fish in the sea. There are 7.6 billion, I believe, according to the most recent census, just say 7 billion people in this world. And we're supposed to accept poor treatment from the select few that we have chosen to associate with? No, that's not happening. That's not me. You can give somebody a second chance and a third chance and you can put up with bullshit, not me. I am able to make new friends. I get along with people good enough to be able to go, okay, you didn't make the cut, you're off the team. Next, I can do that. Maybe people who give second and third chances, maybe they do it because they realize they're, they're fucked. They're alone if they don't put up with what they've got. Maybe they're poor, you know, they're poor social skills or abilities to make new friends or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I could never justify it. Couldn't do it. So I burn those bridges. I burn the shit out of those bridges. And there are ways to detect cunty people. There are many ways. I mean, basically, you just got to feel it out. This person's a cunt or not. I'm not a cunty person. No, I don't have a mean bone in my body just because I don't put up with shit. And maybe you're like me. Here is just a, a semi-recent but a prime example of how I am not cunty and how someone who is cunty maybe would have reacted different. I went to Casey's. Casey's gas station. They make pizza, they make subs, they make burgers, blah blah blah. Whatever. So I, I, uh, I was going there every night on my way through, on my route. I drove truck, I delivered auto parts, but in a certain city, Little Falls, I would stop at the Casey's and I would either get a pizza or a wrap. And one night I stopped in and it was this stoner looking hippie dude and he, he talked like this, bro, real slow. And he was like, bro, he talked to me like he was a surfer. Total douche. I didn't like him, but I wasn't mean to him. And I said, hey, uh, can I get a rap? And he goes, oh, uh, actually the, the lady who, you know, usually makes the raps isn't here tonight. So, so I, do you really want me to? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I want a rap. I, I stopped in here specifically for that, actually. I came here for no other reason than a rap. That's exactly what I want. Well, I mean, I don't know how to make the wraps, but I'll try. Are you sure? He asked me twice. Are you sure that you need a wrap? I'm like, okay, bro, here's the thing. I know that there's a little cheat sheet on the other side of this glass here that tells you how many slices of meat and cheese and all that go on here. If I tell you I want a club combo, it says right there, club combo, three pieces of roast beef, blah, 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 you know, whatever. I, I sort of got impatient in my head, but I did not at all let him know that. I said, um, yes, I would like a wrap. Thank you. I will walk you through it. I get these wraps all the time. I can tell you what's on there if you need help. I mean, making a wrap is something a six-year-old could do, but if you really need another grown-up to help you and walk you through this, I'm here for you because that's just the kind of person I am. So he eventually made it and he's like, bro, that wasn't so bad. I'm like, yeah, you know, who would have thought slapping meat and cheese on a tortilla and rolling it up. Who would have thought that that wouldn't be so bad of an experience? Learn something new every day. So I'm not a cunt. I mean, a cunt would have handled that situation much differently. Two weeks ago, I went to Burger King. I asked for two double cheeseburgers and a large fry. Very simple, cut and dry. Everything on it. Whatever comes with your double cheeseburgers, whether it's ketchup, mustard, onions, whatever everything means, I asked for that. So, two double cheeseburgers and a large fry is what I ordered. What did I get? Two regular, normal, single cheeseburgers with just ketchup, no mustard or anything else, and a small fry. They got the general food right. Bun, meat, potatoes. They got that part right, but I feel like I wasted my breath saying double cheeseburgers 
and large fry. The adjectives that I used to describe the type of cheeseburger and the type of fry that I want were wasted on them. I didn't complain, I didn't bitch, I ate the food. I wanted to go back in, but I was already several blocks away when I had realized it, and I had already taken a bite because I was hungry, and I ate the evidence. I could have called them and said, hey, uh, you didn't give me the right order. But then they'd say, yeah, just bring it back, we'll take care of it, as they do. And then I would have had to say, well, uh, you know, same excuse we gave in elementary school and we didn't have our homework done. The dog ate it. I ate the evidence. I, I couldn't face those people and go, well, I already ate it, but it's true, you gave me the wrong shit. I used to be a, uh, what's the word? I used to stick up for people who wanted the $15 an hour minimum because in my mind, nobody who works 40 hours a week or more should ever struggle with money. You should always have the bare minimum. You shouldn't have to worry about whether or not you're going to have rent money next year, or next uh, month, excuse me. In my mind, I mean, obviously some jobs should pay more. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. Some jobs are harder. Some jobs are longer hours. Some jobs require higher levels of skill or knowledge or mental capacity. Sure then they should be rewarded for that. They should be paid more. But nobody should work 40 hours a week, 168 hours, 7 times 24, yep, 168 hours in a week, spending 40 of it, which is, you know, basically 25% of your week at work, and they, they're not able to pay their bills? That's bullshit. I'm not all for that. But when I... Fucking 90% of the time I go to Burger King... They fuck up my order somehow. How hard is it? I could, you could wake me up out of a drunken stupor where I've had way too much to drink and I'm super out of it. You could wake me up. Hey, Ben, wake up. Uh, what? Uh, uh, what is it? Hey, will you make me a ham and cheese sandwich with lettuce and Miracle Whip and mustard? I mean, like, I don't know why you woke me up for that, but, but sure. I mean, okay, one second. So I'd stumble into the kitchen, grab exactly that. Grab all of the ingredients, put them on perfectly, bring you the sandwich, and it would look great. But these people are sober, they're at work, this is their job, their profession, if you can call it that, and they fucking can't even do that. It's, it's horrible. So, I'm not a cunt. And that's topic three. Ah, love you guys. This has been episode four. I will cover some things, you know, that I didn't cover here, and much more in the future. Stay tuned. Take care. Bye now. This episode has been brought to you by no sponsors, just me. Bye.